Hallelujah. Praise God. Deb Fry just gave me a great testimony. She said that her and her husband did not own a home. Of course, they lived in one, but they did not own a home. And she began to be a tither. And she began to believe God for a home. And the day come when God said, go look for a home. They went and looked for the home. They ended up purchasing the home. And eight years later, it was paid off. Now, she said, and every time I tithe or I think about, you know, if it works or not, I look at what God did. I look at what God did. God is a faithful God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today to Exodus 34. And we're going to read from 27 through 35. We're going to talk about the next three weeks about one of the most powerful weapons that man possesses, and it is an extension of faith. It operates out of faith. It is an act of faith. We're going to talk about fasting. Talk about fasting. So in Exodus 34 and verse 27, and the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tab tablets the words of the covenant and the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass that when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the Mount that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Now afterward, now afterward the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave the commandments, and all that the Lord has spoken unto him in the Mount Sinai. And till Moses had got done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face that when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, and Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak. With God. I want to talk to you about fasting. What is a fast? A fast is a predetermined, designed act of faith. Now, it's just like when we get born again. Now, we've kind of messed everything up about being born again. 
But the simplicity of the Bible says this, that if you will confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth and believe in your heart that he hath been raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But we have created the sinner's prayer because we're smarter than God. And now we think it's sacrilegious not to have people pray the sinner's prayer. Hello. You know, we say, you know, God, forgive me of all of my sins, and da, 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 da. And we do that. Romans road to salvation. But the Romans road to salvation, though it reveals the fallen state of man, is not the prayer that brings Jesus Christ into the Lord of your life and redeems your life from sin. There's really not the prayer of a sinner. Now there you go, you're getting mad. Quit. There is not the repentance of a sinner. There is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, therefore a turning away from a sinful life. So after we lead the sinner into the sinner's prayer, then we say, now say this, Jesus Christ, I now declare that you are Lord of my life. I believe in your heart. See, we want to add the religious flair, but it doesn't take the religious flair. In fact, there was a, a eunuch that was saved, and all he did was tell Philip, hey, could I be baptized? Philip said, do you believe? I believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God. And he baptized him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So it worked for him, but it is not good enough for us. Now I say that to tell you that there are lots of things that we do as Christians that are just anti-faith and anti-God. Yes. Now, so today when we, now see, that is a predetermined act of faith. We are saved by grace, the provision of Jesus Christ, sacrificial death on the cross, and his burial and his resurrection. It takes all three, doesn't take one, doesn't take two, it takes three. He must die, he must be buried, and he must be raised from the dead. It is in the resurrection that we have our redemption, not just in the death. Amen. The resurrection declares the acceptance of Jesus Christ's sacrificial death. Without the resurrection, there is no acceptance. So we understand that it is a predetermined act, a statement that is made that brings Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Now, some of you are saying, oh, I just don't believe it. Well, I know, but... Let's just for a moment believe that the Bible is true. And all this religious stuff that we throw in there is just made up of man. Amen? The Romans road of salvation reveals your sinful state, the sacrificial death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ in Romans, the third chapter. But it never asked you to pray a sinner's prayer. It, it asked you to confess Jesus Christ. Amen. If you confess him with your mouth, believe in your heart, thou shalt be at least half saved. No, you'll be saved. 
But see, what we do is we add. We got to add man's flavor. We, we, we've got to appease everybody that has went before us. No, just because people do things doesn't mean that it's right. Amen. Now, and then it's like this. If you sow a seed, you'll get a harvest. Can you get a harvest if you don't sow your seed? Okay. Now what we have is a predetermined act of faith for a harvest. You have to sow a seed. Can you open the windows of heaven by screaming? By prayer. How do you open them? Well, I don't believe in tithing. Well, I know, but Abraham did. So did Adam and Eve. So did Cain. So did the sons of God. And it, that's why it was put into the law. What does the law do? It reveals to you what is sin. So if it reveals to you the tithe, and you say, well, that's under the law, then you understand that everything that is of works is not of faith. So if you don't mix faith with what is revealed to you in the law, then it's sin. So it's real simple. People all the time saying, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in it. It doesn't matter. Look, Jesus is a Melchizedek of the New Testament. And he is worthy to receive tithe in this world and in this kingdom by the Levites or the priests of the kingdom. Now, so we see here that number one, that fasting, somebody say fasting, is a predetermined act of faith designated to get certain results. And those results are unveiled to us in typology and symbolism of the old covenant as well as the new covenant. So we're going to look at fasting. So this is what fasting is. Fasting is an abstaining from food and water for a short period of time, and I'll show you that, and physical pleasures. Now that is found in 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter, says that when we uh, separate ourselves on a fast, that that is the only righteous, legal, acceptable time that men and women do not have sexual relationship. We abstain from physical pleasures for the purpose of a fast. No other time should a man or a woman be refused sexual relationships from their spouse. Well, I just don't think renew your mind, quit thinking for yourself. Amen. Say, well, women never want it. That's a lie. Well, men always want it. That's a lie. It's not true. But we have to make sure that the devil doesn't have access to the people that we are in covenant or marriage covenant with. Amen. Amen. And this should not even be a subject that people have to address, but Paul addressed it because he had so much confusion about it. And he said, look, 
is not the Lord that's speaking. I'm telling you what is right. In other words, a single man understood the importance of the covenant and its benefits and its safety of caring one for another. And when you're under the pressure of an attack of the devil and your spouse says, I'm not in the mood, in other words, they just say, let the devil have his way. You throw them under the bus. But let's move on. I see that was a subject everybody wanted to shout amen with. I don't, I don't know why anybody would have the means to help someone else in a marriage covenant and deny them help. That is beyond me. It is beyond the comprehension of the love covenant between a man or a woman. It is, it, if, if you see your brother have food, need a food, you give him food. If you see someone being in, in, involved and entangled by the temptations of the flesh and of the mind and of the eyes, why would you not rescue him if you or your spouse love each other? Well, we're talking about fasting. All right. Now we sustain ourselves from food and water. Now the sustaining of water, except in a supernatural fast as Moses was in, and we'll discover that Elijah was in, is only done for a period of three days at most. And that is found in Esther, the fourth chapter. She called a fast for Israel, for favor and for deliverance, and it lasted three days, no food and no water. So nobody should go on a fast any longer with food and water than for three days. Nobody, for three days. Could he get an amen? All right. And it says, now, the reason that we do these things is for the sole purpose of seeking God with an intensity and a focus. It is an act of humility of ourself unto the might of God. In other words, we understand that we fast because we are in situations that we cannot handle ourselves. All right. Now, there are different types of fasting. The first fast is without food or water, like Moses did, but that was a supernatural fast. Then there's another supernatural fast that is in Kings, the 19th chapter, verse 6, on down through 13. And it is the fast of a man that is running for the fear of his life. He has become so hopeless, his name is Elijah, that he thinks he should die. God, Jezebel is after me. I might as well just die by my own hand. But an angel shows up, and I do believe in angelic provision. And I don't care what, I don't care. But I am just so tired of making excuses for the lack of God intervention. Listen, I don't care. I've had people come to my house and drop off groceries. I've had all kinds of stuff 
Some I knew and some I didn't. Some could have been an angel that we were entertaining strangers. I don't know what it could be. But I'm not going to deny what God can do just because we've become so intelligent that we are ignorant. I believe in angelic movement and activity in the lives of believers. And I believe angels are real, and I believe that angels are ministers that are sent forth by God to help me live the abundant life, to preach the gospel, and to accomplish purposes. I believe that. You might say, well, pastor, you're way out. Don't try to reel me in. And so the angel brings food. He brings food, and Elijah eats of that food. Not just once, he does it twice. He eats of the food, and he drinks of the liquid. Now, he does that twice, and the Bible says that Elijah went in the strength of that food for 40 days. So he ran for 40 days from Jezebel, simply, she was dog food. I mean, no, that's what the Bible said. Yeah, she was dog food. He's running from a bag of dog food. And he runs for 40 days. He doesn't have to eat and he doesn't have to drink. See, I believe in divine interventions in my life. I mean, I believe in that. And I know that you believe in that. That is one kind of fast. Jesus fasted 40 days, but he was hungry at the end. It didn't say he was thirsty. Jesus probably found water or had water in the wilderness. Or he certainly would have been parched. Could have given amen. All right. And then there is a fast of food only. Well, you could drink liquid because it's designated in the Bible that they would just fast. Jehoshaphat called a fast, but didn't say that he said that they shouldn't drink. He called a fast, and all of Israel came, and they didn't eat anything. So there is a fast that you could draw defining lines of what you were going to do. And then there is, how do I want to say this one? There is a fast that is defined by an individual. And that is found by Daniel. And if I could have that on the screen, Daniel, and it's Daniel 1, 8 through 12. And Daniel sets a precedent of what he's going to fast. This is also repeated in Daniel, the 10th chapter, and you can read that. So it may have been Daniel's way of life that he did not separate himself from other things, but just from things that he was desirous to have for his palate. And here it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself in the portion of the king's meat, 
nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And God, now God has brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, and why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mish, thank you, Azariah, and prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days. Let them give us pulse to eat. That word pulse simply means vegetables and water to drink. Now, Daniel has defined several things. What he would fast, how long he would fast. Did he? This was in Daniel's court, not in God's court. But Daniel understood that he was not to defile himself with certain foods. Now, when you look at defile, it simply means to make unclean, to make unholy, to make less than life. And we need to understand that portions of our life are defiled. Our health are defiled. Many of our diseases have nothing to do with the devil, has everything to do with the God of food. Amen? So we can govern ourselves as Daniel did. Now, if you went to Daniel, the 10th chapter, in verse 2 on down, you'll find that Daniel kind of set this precedent to fast, and there he did it for 21 days. Well, Daniel 10, 2. Let's see that on the screen. And in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. That word mourning is a deep emotional struggle of focus and passion that cannot be expressed. That's when you see people mourn. That is an emotional, deep-seated expression that nobody else can duplicate or feel except they're in that moment of mourning or loss. Here Daniel feels the same thing, I want to hear from God. And it says, And I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine into my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all. Three whole weeks uh, were fulfilled. So there we see, didn't say Daniel didn't eat anything. Just says he didn't eat pleasant bread, nor meat, nor drink wine. So Daniel did eat things to sustain himself during that fast. So there is a fast that a supernatural that God would call you on. Now, I would make sure that it was a supernatural fast as you to go to 40 days to try to prove that you were called of God. Amen? And then there is the fast of food only. And then there is a fast of designated foods or designated things that you are going to fast. So fasting can be adjusted 
Like people say, well, I can't fast, I'm on medication. Then eat what it takes to take your medication. But don't throw everything out the window because you can't take medication without eating. Eat what it, you need to take the medication. Amen? Now, oh, thank you. Fasting is a New Testament use of faith. It is an act of obedience unto the lordship of Christ as well as the expression of the Christ life. Now, let's go to Matthew 9 and verse 14. Matthew 9, 14. I have had pastors tell me, fasting is not for me. Okay? But let's see what the Bible says. And they came to the disciples of John, then came to him, Jesus, the disciples of John, saying, Hey, why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? Notice the word off. Often is not to be a once a year thing. It is to be an often way of life. And then it says, And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn? Notice again, that morning. As long as a bridegroom is with them, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. Now, if the bridegroom is taken, who is he taken from? The bride. Somebody say the bride. So when the bridegroom goes which is Jesus, he has ascended in Acts 1, 6, 7, and 8. His ascension is complete. He is seated in heavenly places, and he is there, thus setting a time frame that the bridegroom is left here, setting in motion a time that the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, are in a time of fasting often. Okay, no man putteth a piece of cloth into an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up, take it away from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither doth a man put new wine into old bottles, else the bottle break, the wine runneth out, and the bottle perish, and they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. In other words, Jesus says, you can't take Old Testament things and put them into new perspectives without tainting the new. Now, what we can do is we can add to the old, but we don't want to just take a portion of new and try to cause it to change the whole garment. So fasting is an Old Testament, but it's also a New Testament. Now, say this. Jesus is gone. Thank you. Let's try that one more time. Jesus is gone. I am the bride. I am to fast until he returns. Now, we are commanded by Jesus to do that. And Jesus is going to come back finding people that are doing so. And he's going to find people, when I come back, will I find faith? One of the reasons that people don't fast is because they exclude it from their faith life. But Jesus told us specifically, listen to what he says. 
when I am gone, then, then, then shall my disciples fast. Part of discipleship is fasting as much as praying, as much as using your faith, as much as living holy. Fasting is a part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this. There are different ways that we are invoked or called to fast. Let's go to Luke 4.1. Luke 4.1. I guess I should button my coat, but ah. And it says this, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did what? Eat nothing. Remember, food only. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Who led Jesus to fast? Right. So there is a spirit-led or a God-led fast. Now, I would encourage us that when God leads us, that we want to respond to him in obedience. Amen? So we want to make sure that when God leads us, we respond in obedience. The second way that fasting is implemented in a believer's life or in an assembly, it is done by the kings, the priests, or the pastors or leaders. Now, the reason I say leaders is because, like, uh, we have ushers. So the leader of the ushers may feel that it's time to call those ushers onto a fast for some purpose that God has revealed to him. So he would have that right being the leader over a segment of people. But then we also know that those that are leaders, such as Jehoshaphat, he called a fast because of an attack of the adversary coming to him. You know, this, this is one of the things that I think that the church needs to understand. And I'm talking very slowly. I'm talking very precisely. So you, you just think, oh, boy, he's boring. Well, that's okay. Listen to what I say to you. The reason many times that the church does not flourish is because if the pastor asked the church to address an issue, they think there's a flaw or a weakness in the pastor. In that, let's say this. You know, folks, I want you to pray. I'll just say this because everybody will understand. You know, I want you to pray. Praise God that, that, that we just get a breakthrough and that the heavens open up and that God just brings an increase to our finances. The first thing you're going to say is this. Well, he ain't got no faith. The first thing I'm going to say is if you've got it, show me the money. 
You you can't just blame everything on one person. The church is made up of individuals that are filled with faith, that are filled with faithfulness, loyalty, and honesty, and desirous to service or to serve God. So today, in today's society, if we ask the church, will you do this for me? Everybody thinks, oh, I wonder what's going on. Nothing. We want more money. Well, why are we going under? Does it look like we're going under? But see, those are the foolishness of the unrenewed mind and the misunderstandings of the prayer of agreement and the intercession sessions of believers. Now, I'm talking to you very frank. You're not going to hear this in 90% of the church of America. But I'm just telling you that there is an asset that I have at my disposal. That asset is your faith. That asset is your desire to see the kingdom explode. But on any given Sunday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, whatever takes place is resident, blamable on a preacher's lack of faith with no responsibility on the assembly. But we are one. You say, well, you just don't have enough faith. Well, show me your faith and I'll show you mine. So so let's not argue about who's got faith and who don't. Let's just not even go there. But the adversary is not stupid. He doesn't send an entourage that has already been defeated to fight the second time. There are no rematches in the spiritual kingdom. You either have to rise up as he rises up, become more skillful, more filled with faith, and filled with more focus or he's going to keep you where you are. And the only way it says this, look, one can put a 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Is that true? Then where do we think that it all falls upon an individual? Carnality thinking, religious thinking, Ignorance in spiritual things. Yeah. So, see that pew next to you? You didn't even turn your head, David. You're the typical person in this congregation. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm just telling you that I can tell you and I can invoke your faith but you never see the need of it. And I'm not dogging you. I'm telling you how Christians are. And if we want to see God, we're going to have to be different than the ordinary. 
You, you hear, we're going to have to be different than the ordinary. You see that? See that right there? Right, you see that right there? I commission you, Peggy Scott. I commission you, Nita, that you are going to use your faith to fill that seat. I'm going to use my faith to feed you to prayer and study. I'm asking you to use your faith to fill that hole right there. Are you a guest? Okay, good. You see that right there? Gene, you see that right there? I commission that place to be filled with your faith. Okay? Now, David, turn your head. This is not you in a meeting with me and sleeping behind clouded glasses. That's why David's glasses change color. So he can be in a meeting saying, David, you agree with that? David, we need to do this again. Yeah. You see that seat, David? Yes, sir. I see it right here. Right there. Okay, well, good. Move her clear off. I don't care. Now, David, you have enough faith to fight the devil. You have enough faith to go into the wolves because Jesus said, I send you forth as lambs, equipped like I am into a wolf's territory to bring out those that need to be saved. There's no lack of what you can do. The problem is we do nothing. This is not a part of my message, but this is free. Okay? You need to fill that pew. But in a sense, you think, well, if Pastor would preach, he'd be more relevant, he'd be nicer, he'd be this. If I die, I may be more relevant and nicer. I'm not going to be any nicer. I am who I am, made in the image of God, and this Amen. is the side of God you don't want to face after death. <laughs> You are a part of the image of God. Amen. You are part of the image of God. You are, you are. Rick, you may not be, but everybody else in here is made. Now, now, why? Because God is in each and every one of us, and he created us, put his substance in us. Where did the substance come from? God. And each and every one of us is a representative of God. We may not always reflect it, but we are. Now, you know the question, right? Turn your head right. right. Well, turn it left then. <laughs> Lori, don't, Lori's like, no, 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 no we're, we're going to turn our head this way. Rick, you turn your head right. You see those? You see them? Yes. What are you supposed to do? Use your faith to fill them. You say, does that mean i got to go out and witness? Can you pray? Can you pray? Can, yeah, yeah. Can you? No, I, I'm trying to get you. Listen, if you want the kingdom to flourish, nobody can add to it except those that have faith. And so we have got to add to the church. 
You say, well, where's your faith? Well, I built the space for you to fill. And nobody's name is on that line but everything I own. And if I fail, it'll be the biggest failure within 50 miles. I will not be ashamed of what I've done. I will not be ashamed of what I reached out to do. I will not be ashamed of losing my home, my car. I won't be ashamed of losing my underwear. I won't be ashamed because I did it with faith in God. Now, that's what I did it with. And everything about my future and everything that I own is on the line. But that is not why we want to fill it. We want to fill it because that's our commission. Amen. Now, you can get all distracted and do a million and one things. Tell me what you're doing. Has it won one person to Jesus in the last five years? Tell me. Tell me. Then tell me what you're doing is God. It's not God. If it doesn't produce souls, it is not God. You, you understand it. Go ye into all the world and make disciples. No other commission. Oh, but I'm interested in this end times and perfect. If it doesn't win souls, get away from it. What is wrong? We are in a season of soul winning. And once time comes to an end, all of your foolish rigmarole, complaining about nothing will matter nothing because you haven't won anybody to Jesus. I'm totally off my subject. I don't know why I even did this. Now listen. Now I'm talking about that pastors all over the world carry the weight of what quote, we quote unquote call success. When the weight of any success of a church does not fall on one man. I have one thing to do, two things. Give myself to prayer and to study. Now that is my job. It's everybody else's job to use our faith to do what God's called us to do, to make disciples. Amen? Now, so when we talk about fasting and things of that nature, one of the things that classifies in a fast to be set into motion is that leadership declares the, this is the time that we're going to fast. And you always have the segment, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. I understand that. God can't, I can't. I understand that. That's just, never mind. And uh, so, but when we call fast to deal with things that need to be dealt with in the kingdom, how many of you would love to see the presence of God come so strong into this house that you couldn't stand up. No, no, how many of you really want that? Good, because Thursday we are fasting for 
the presence of God to become so strong that men can't even breathe oxygen in. You have to breathe God. Thursday. Somebody say Thursday. I'm going to make it real easy for you. You can start Wednesday night at 3 o'clock and go to three, Thursday 3 o'clock or you can start when you get up in the morning, don't eat, and you can go all day. Now, if you need a piece of bread or something, whatever to take with your medication, take it. But besides that, we're on a fast. We're fasting for one sole purpose, that the presence of God will come in an uncontainable, unlimited, unexplainable way. And that if people come into the foyer, they can just lay out there as they are touched by the presence of God. Do you think that can happen? Then let's pursue it. Let's pursue it. We're going to fast in secret, and God will reward us openly. I say, well, well, the worship team, if the worship team, the worship team is only as effective as your reception. They are not our Eve. In other words, they're not where to put the blame. Boy, I don't, yep, hell, I'm glad I got the money before we preach this, Jesus. Hallelujah. But it's the truth. It's the truth. I believe that people could drive by this building and see fire shooting out of the top of it. I believe that. I believe that people would be backed up from the north and the south exits waiting to get in this building. See, I, be I, I built it with an expectancy. But so many times I... I've come to the end of myself and said, God, what else can I do? Use your reserves. What reserves? Use your people. Use your people. But not everybody will say, oh, yeah, hallelujah, let's get involved. Many of you already released darts. And I understand that they'll stick in me and I will go on. But uh, what I want you to see is life is more than just living in a house Amen. and having enough to get by. Life is about using our faith. He that is wise winneth souls. He that is wise winneth souls. So I'm going to start invoking your faith through fastings, through proclamations, through declarations. And we are going to allow God to build the house. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Hallelujah. All right. And the third way, Jiminy, boy, that's a long way around. The third way is that we can personally declare a fast as Daniel did. Daniel, in Daniel, the 10th chapter, verse 2 through 3, 
That was a self-proclaimed fast out of a deep mourning to understand the writings of Jeremiah. And Daniel sought the Lord for 21 days eating a defined scribed diet. And he did that in order to express his great passion for revelation knowledge. So we can all proclaim a fast in our life. Pastors can proclaim a fast in people's lives. Families can proclaim a fast for their household. And God can lead us on fast. But let's be open to God. Hallelujah. And uh, praise God. Hallelujah. I believe fasting is one of the cords of a three-woven cord. I believe prayer, the word, and fasting will keep people united to Christ. United to Christ. Somebody told me one time, you just love to fast. I said, what world are you dreaming in? I hate to fast. But I will not be disobedient to the time that I've been born in. Jesus has departed, and I am his bride, and I am here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you got an insight into what lots of people are never going to see into. But I think it's time for mature people to start using their faith for the kingdom. Amen. Right, David? Right. I'm going to use mine. See that right there, David? I'm going to fill it. Okay, good. See that right there? Get somebody skinny. Sit right there. Yeah, they say these pews are made for people with 18-inch rear ends. You've taken up three people. Probably. Probably. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand your feet just for a moment. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. And God, we thank you that you have filled each person with faith. Faith, God, to make disciples. Faith, God, to continue to demonstrate the destruction of the kingdom of darkness. God, to fulfill the following of Christ, that he makes us fishermen of men. God, our top priority is nothing less than discipleship of the world. God, we thank you. You've given us the opportunity to use our faith. You've given us the opportunity to join together. And God, we're going to fast together as an assembly on Thursday. And God, we fast to see your presence fill this building in an uncontainable, unexplainable, unmeasurable way. And God, that it will change us to the core of who we are and shake those that are coming into contact with it. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name.